Welcome to the show, everyone. This week's show is brought to you by the 2023 Connoisseurs Cup. There's big news from Dave's house. Dave has moved. He's in a new location. You can find Dave over at 6117 West 38th Avenue in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. This great new location contains a wellness center and a heady glass shop. All further events will be taking place here for the Connoisseur Cup including single-day judging. If you are interested in judging, it is $24. All you need to do is contact 970-279-1420 to set up an appointment. The single-day judging passes take place Monday through Friday from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Then, once all the scores are tallied, at the end of the month, this month it's going to be February 25th, we will be celebrating the Extract Games and Dabatines event and announcing January and February's winners. Come down and hang out with some of the top companies, caregivers, and industry leaders and learn more. Hope to see you there. Now let's get into the show with the lovely Kirk Kirkland. So welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm here with Kirk Kirkland of Nuve. She's been highly recommended from two of my best friends here in Denver. Uh, that is, uh, shoot, I forgot their name, Dan and Kendall. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, both of them recommended I reach out to her and talk to her. She had uh, worked in education and we both have worked or looked around and how we can fit and find our little niches into the uh, cannabis community and found out that owning a dispensary was not the one for us. And then we looked into other avenues and found out that education was where we wanted to go and to educate mm -hmm. people on the uses of cannabis, how they can use it, especially new users into the cannabis realm. And uh, unlike most of the people I've interviewed already, Kirk here, she is new to cannabis with five years experience or so, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the people I've interviewed uh, started younger than that, but not all of them. And um, first question I have for you, Kirk, what actually got you into consuming cannabis when you started consuming cannabis? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so full transparency. Like I tried weed for the first time at 18. So being away for college, yada, 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 blew out the bam. Um, but it didn't, it didn't do anything for me back then. It was just kind of like, oh, this is a social activity. But a lot of my friends who got high all the time also didn't graduate. So I was just kind of like focused on other things. <laughs> at that time and then you know moving from there kind of went into my career and i didn't start to revisit you know consuming cannabis until i actually became a special education teacher um and for me it was a lot around managing my stress levels and being able to decompress from the job after dealing with teenagers all day um so my first foray into flower was really looking at something I could like hit before I get, got into work and then hit right when I got into the car on my way home. So really, I bought a lot of shorts when I first started. Um, Eight pins, probably. Those are the easiest and 
to conceal. But they actually started giving me a headache. So I actually just kept with the shorts. Um, And over time, I just prefer flower over everything. Same here. Um, Most most consumers do. Yeah. And like concentrates and things like that. My body can't handle. I have a few funny stories. (laughs) But um, for me, it was really around de-stressing. Um, but then when the pandemic hit, it became more of a, both a decompression as well as a way to kind of like make sure my mental health was decent or even killed just with all of the stressors with the school. Um, the kids didn't stress me out, but I was, I was definitely in a space where I was kind of over-medicating um because it's like i'm at home can't go anywhere the kids don't show up to school the administrators are asking us to do things and it's like well if i don't have students what are we trying to do here and the mental gymnastics just kind of took me out and i would rather just be zoned out than than having to deal with all of that stuff yeah so i i taught in public schools for five years i was two and a half years as a full-time substitute and then i was a substitute from kindergarten to 12th grade and maybe a whole county. There was uh, 20 different schools I would go to. So I got to see a lot of different students. And uh, I know the uh, the students sometimes could be a pain, but it is the hierarchy above you and the regulations and sure. all the BS you got to go through goes down and resonates through the kids too. And then they're uneasy. So it's a whole it's harder on the teachers from that aspect than it is dealing with the kids. I understand. Most definitely. Honestly, it was the kids that, that brought me joy. And I found it kind of funny, like, because my students did come, come to school high and there were times I had to spray them down. Like, Hey, we can't <laughs> smell like this in class. Cause I worked for a charter school. And so a part of our like demerit system, students would be penalized for coming in smelling like cannabis. That being said, when students would be like, hey, Ms. Kirkland, have you ever smoked weed? And I'm just looking like, hmm, yes, in my head, in my internal monologue. But it's just like, you know, there was a time. Why do you smell like weed every day? <laughs> it kind of redirected back to the student. But I always found so much entertainment that they didn't think. I was a consumer, but the entire time I was just like them. Yeah, I could tell a couple of the kids that came in were pretty blitzed. Uh, I never really said anything to them. Some of the kids knew that I smoked. I've had a couple of kids ask when I was teaching, have you ever smoked? And I just said, I went to college and I left it at that. And they, they exactly. laughed. And so, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a big thing. A lot of the kids or a lot of the people that I have interviewed in the cannabis community started at a young age as myself, 16 or 17. It wasn't on a daily basis like now, but it really helped with ADHD. And I remember mm-hmm. the first time that I smoked a good indica or a, a relaxing herb and it just, my brain slowed down and I was like, wow, is this the way that other people think? Because until then my brain was going hundred miles per hour and it was basically reaction. I never really thought decisions over. It was just a really quick response, spontaneous reaction. And after smoking, it was like, whoa, all right, let me stop and think. I have other options here and it slowed me down. So, uh, and it helped me to focus and make connections when I'm learning in college too. 
For sure. And I saw that really like around a lot of my seniors, um, especially in that transitionary period, um, kind of going from high school to college. And I remember asking them in a class, like, why do you why do you always consume like right before class? And I'm like, you know what? The way our system worked at that school, to your point, they felt that they could be more present in the classroom when they had, you know, smoked beforehand. And I was like, huh, that makes so much sense because by the time I see you in the afternoon, you're kind of like all over the place. <laughs> That's the and way I am. Like, yeah. It's just like, okay. Yeah, so I think you, it you, helps to keep right in the moment instead of thinking yes. about what you're going to do after class or what happened before class. You're more in the moment and you're attentive and relaxed. At least I was. Yes. Um, and then, you know, sometimes after bathroom trips, you know, they would be like getting a little antsy right before. And then they'd be like, Ms. Kirk, can I go use the restroom? And be like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Next time they come back, you know, just even killed. And I'm like squinting. And it's like, I know what you know that I know. But, you know, as long as the work gets done. <laughs> so um, it's different in Chicago, right? You're in Chicago, correct? Mm -hmm. um, it just legalized correctly or. Um, um, recreational also in yeah. Illinois. Okay. Back in 2020, it was official, official. So in a big city, it's usually a little bit different than it is in the country. I'm from the country and it was kind of hard to find herb. It's a pretty easy to find herb in the city there before legalization. Oh yeah. Um, the kids won't have a problem finding it. So, no, not at all. I actually worked in the uh, Belmont Cragen neighborhood and it's an economically disenfranchised area, predominantly black and brown. Um, not super high crime, but it's a familiar territory in those spaces. And so for a lot of my students, you know, living in those communities, um, cannabis was their means of mental health, um, means of their own therapy, many of which they cannot afford it, um, to be able to kind of cope with all of those different challenges of living and going to school in those communities. Um, that being said, you know, they were my most resilient students. Um, and some of those that were actually like the daily smokers, because I actually did have some daily smokers, you know, ended up graduating, going to U of I, Illinois State, and things like that. So it it's not as bleak as administrators paint the picture. Um, and then for parents, if they're willing and open to having the conversation, you know, their children will actually talk to them about it. Because what I'm finding is that a lot of these students aren't consuming cannabis because it's cool or peer pressure or anything like that. They're consuming it for its medicinal properties in order to be able to sustain and be effective students um, given all of these different conditions, PTSD, all of that. Um, that being said, you know, as we evolve the industry, I definitely wanna have more conversations around where the intersections lie between, you know, mental health supports um, with the consumption of cannabis, because it does to an extent, you know, affect brain development, 
Um, but furthermore, you know, speaks to the system and all the shit the system doesn't have and how we need to be better stewards of our children to ensure that, you know, they're going to make it out here because we're all getting a little rough. So I got to go back to the very first thing you said here. You had some friends that consumed when you were younger and they didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. If they would have had the same teacher like you that was accepting it, but not turning them in. So they got demerits. And do you think they could have graduated and gone on to college too? Or was it the system that they had to hide from that caused them to drop out? You know, it's a very multi-layered issue. Um, However, in my experience, giving students, especially like our high schoolers, those that are about to like go out into this world, you know, the autonomy to just be people has, at least in my opinion, has supported them in making those next steps towards college, you know, if it's trade, what have you, they felt more supported in staying within school to make those those next steps. Um, That being said, even schools themselves are part of the system and actually probably cause issues the, the students are smoking about anyway, if I'm being completely honest. Um, because even as a teacher, it it got to a certain point where I was negotiating, how much am I going to stress these kids out, especially when it came to testing and things like that. And so, yes, have conversations with the students, but then we need to have the conversations with the ministers. Not that we haven't been, because I feel teachers have been on that <laughs> on that soapbox for decades. You know, it's not the kids' fault, but we place a lot of that blame on them. So I would like to see more work around, even at the teacher level. You know, becoming more aware around why students are turning to cannabis as part of their wellness routine at such an early age. Um, What factors um, as a teacher are you contributing (laughs) to their consumption Mm -hmm. and things like that? Because again, it's a multi-layered issue and I think everybody has some accountability to that. Um, What I think I would like to see moving forward is what we do at an individual level, like really just hold the mirror up to ourselves to see how we can like unlearn a lot of the bullshit propaganda (laughs) that the war war on drugs propagated. But yeah, I have hope if people are, are curious enough about cannabis and curious, you know, enough about understanding cannabis from a wellness point of view, not just getting high. So one of the biggest things here or nationally, whenever it comes to legalization of cannabis, you always hear where the kids are going to get access to it. They're going to have more chance of becoming addicted as kids. And, you know, it's always the children consumption or underage consumption is going to rise. But here in Colorado, after so many years of legalization, they've done studies that showed that underage consumption has not risen up. And I think it is basically, like you said, people that have maybe issues that it helps them to cope with. Mm -hmm. And the other ones that don't have these issues, they're not going to seek it out. But as a kid, I know five or six of my best friends, I was labeled a 
a, a troubled kid at a young age. So a lot of uh, parents didn't want their kids to hang out with me when I was in junior high or high school. So I ended up hanging out with a lot of kids that were in worse trouble than me or worse than me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, a lot of them smoked herb, but they didn't really have much access to it. So alcohol was something they relied on. Or even I would, I grew up with some of my best friends were smoking crack cocaine wow. in a bit in junior high and high school. <clears throat> now I would rather see kids have access to some herb than crack cocaine and alcohol at an age to deal with some of these issues. And, uh, I think the fact that it was illegal and some of my friends got in trouble and locked up for it, kept them from graduating, which they could have graduated and they were smarter than 90% of the kids in the, in the school. Mm -hmm. So um, that fact that the, uh, the underage usage is going to rise is, is pretty, pretty much uh, nullified now. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's my thought that people that have uneasiness at anxiety, uh, ADHD at the age of 16, 17 can benefit from consumption. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I'm not saying they all need to go out and smoke. For sure, <laughs> there's other ways of consuming. Uh, there can be edibles, and I'm not saying THC. It could be CBD dominant. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe a five to one CBD dominant. Give them on a regimen, and the kids that are uneasy, they would be willing to take something like that and to sit down and, like you said, talk to them like they're human beings, like they're adults. I'm from a uh, a country ghetto. It's pretty pretty bad. There's not a lot of money around. Uh, a lot of broken homes. A lot of kids in the system. So there's a lot of factors, like you said, that go into what these kids need and what is causing their anxieties. For sure. And education is so, so important around that because I can guarantee you if a kid knew about CBD, they might be like, all right, let me do the CBD as opposed to the THC. But because, you know, the THC variety, the street weed is more available, you know, that is going to be the go to. Um, additionally, you know, they're starting to put like put shit either intentionally or unintentionally in, in a lot of the street products these days. And so to an extent, we, anybody, not, not just the teens, but anybody should be consuming products that are good for us and, and won't get us OD'd and things like that because cannabis does not cause an overdose, but other things laced, among it will. And if the students don't know about what else is out there, my concern is now safety, um, harm reduction, because I can guarantee you students aren't really kind of scoping out, you know, what goes in my weed like that. You know, they're just passing around a pen, passing around whatever, you know, in between bathroom breaks during lunchtime. Um, and so I look at this from like a holistic perspective in that, yes, let's teach them about CBD. Let's teach them about dosage and things like that. 
But then also let's talk about what your your behaviors are now and how we can be more conscious about what we're consuming if that's what we're going to do. Because one thing I'm just like, look, I'm not going to debate you as to whether or not you should be smoking weed at your age. I think that's a stupid debate. And I think that's what a lot of parents kind of get into. Like, you shouldn't be smoking. Um, Because kids are going to figure out how to do whatever. (laughs) So I've learned. But that being said, you know, teaching them how to make informed decisions is where I think a lot of the work needs to go. Um, That way we're not kind of pigeonholing these notions that, you know, the kids are just getting high to be getting high. Because nine times out of 10 from the students I asked, that was never the case. They weren't getting high just to be getting high. They were getting high to manage their PTSD, um, to focus during class. Some did, you know, the one (laughs) did get high to get high. Um, To be able to be present in, in certain situations where students were moving about because they had social anxiety, like these were real issues that students told me because I asked. And I wonder, you know, how many people actually just ask the kid, you know, most of the time it's just like, I caught you smoking. And you find, you know, when you just take a moment to ask, it's like, huh, I can't even really fault you for for smoking. It's just like, that makes total sense. But we just got to have a more conscious understanding and as well as other tools we can use so that we're not like over consuming and over medicating because I did see some of that as well. Yeah. There's gotta be more education on how to consume at a, on a proper level for these reasons that we, we are discussing. And it's, it's a, not an easy answer and cannabis affects everybody differently. So trying to give kids a dosage that's the same all the time for every kid just doesn't work. And I don't know about you, but I worked in the public schools. And when I worked in uh, the grade school, even middle school, you would have a list of the students. You got to have a list as a teacher of what medication the kids are taking. And from my perspective, it was like 50% of the students were on some kind of medication. And you think about that, if 50% of the students on medication need medication, the other 50% have to deal with them every day. They're side by side every day. That anxiety passes from one person to the next, even if it's not, even if they're not under the same situations. When I'm uneasy, your kid or my daughter would feel it. She would get uneasy, you know, like people sense this and it passes through the whole school. Uh, Once you get to high school, those numbers started to drop because I don't think some of those kids actually made it to high school. They either dropped out or um, had other issues and just never made it to high school, which is a big problem. Uh, Like I said, I'm not telling ever thinking all these kids should be out there smoking, but even on a a, a preschool level, some of these kids could use this medication and mostly CBD. There's other cannabinoids coming out like CBG that could be helpful also. But uh, <clears throat> I think the whole argument of more access to children is going to raise the underage consumption level. It, it's BS. 
and kids that actually have these disorders or anxieties are going to seek it out no matter what. And if they don't have access, they're going to seek out something else, which that right there is actually how, could turn cannabis into a gateway because if they know cannabis is there and it helps them and they can't have access to it and they got to hide it, they're going to have easier access to alcohol or other drugs, pills, which there's lots and lots and lots of pills. I'm from West Virginia. It is the probably the opium capital of the world mm. with overdoses and consumption levels and pills are off the chart. And, uh, that is one of the big reasons there are so many broken homes and children in the system is because of the pills. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that could have been avoided if they were smoking cannabis, their parents were consuming cannabis. For sure. And a lot of that goes into drug testing and they have to hide it. They can't smoke cannabis because of drug testing. And then they'll use opiates or pills, which get out of their system in two days. And that's, they get addicted to pills. Yeah, I really think parents are the key here in this conversation because like the challenge is all of the research is geared towards villainizing herb. Um, and whatever, I forget, his uh, executive order, Biden's executive order that came out last year, you know, to do this research, the research isn't getting here fast enough to, to disprove or provide, you know, additional nuance to the studies that are out there right now. Um, so at least in, in, in my experience, you know, talking with parents, you know, not having that sticky data has been kind of the challenge with trying to <laughs> kind of help them unlearn around what actually happened during that era and what the the industry is now and what people are doing to not only just educate people but ensure that people are correctly informed like there's just a lot of misinformation going on um and for me like when when kind of working with parents around that misinformation what i found helpful has really just been looking at their own experience, kind of juxtaposed for what they want for their children um, and giving them a moment to kind of like unpack how we got here. Because most of the parents are just flat out in denial, like my child could never. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, really? <laughs> mm. um, I beg to differ um, because they do. And so... Even with my own business at Nouvelle and Canna Learn, like parents hold a special place in my heart because I know they want what's best for their children and they want to keep them safe. But sometimes a lot of their fear kind of overrides their ability to, to unpack all of the things that are contributing to their child wanting to consume in the first place. So... I believe it starts with the parents. I hope the research comes out sometimes eventually, but in the mean in between time, you know, I think it's up to those of us who have been educators, those who, ha who have had um, both foots in the classroom as well as, you know, conscious consumers ourselves 
to be able to facilitate these conversations so that we can let parents know what is available so that they can make the best decisions for their kids. Yeah, I find that a, a big topic, especially being where I'm from. A lot of my friends have been prescribed medication and they've gone and I've talked to their children because I had their children in the class and we would talk about their parents' medication and the medication they are being prescribed or offered and how it makes them feel. And and I have smoked with the, the parents. I've never smoked with the kids, but the kids have told me when they consume that they feel much more in control and not as sedated and not as um, on edge is mm. the, the word I'm thinking of. And uh, education is going to be key. So you uh, started up Nuve, correct? Yes. Could you explain to me and to the listeners here what Nuve is and where where you're going with Nuve? Sure. So Nuve is a digital media platform that provides cannabis content and education using immersive tech. Um, and our focus is actually on bringing the conversation beyond consumption to help normalize cannabis across the nation. And so for us, because we realize that there is a lot of information out there around the, the, the science physical components <laughs> of cannabis in terms of like endocannabinoids and all of that nomenclature, if you will. Um, I wanted to speak more about the intersections of cannabis and what that means for society and how we need to kind of change our, not only our outlook, but our approach and how we are bringing this plant and industry as a whole into our lives. Um, because the reality is like, it's gonna be legalized. It's just a matter of when. And so in the time that we get to federal legalization, we should be having conversations about what it means to talk to children about, you know, consuming cannabis products. What does it mean to, you know, travel internationally with cannabis and you are a, um, what is it, like a regular consumer or someone that uses every day pretty much? Like, habitual the, user. Yes, habitual. There was the word. Thank you. Um, where's the conversations around, you know, cannabis and spirituality. And I know these things are going on, but they're in like very little pockets here and there. And so the idea is we put it out there. We'll catch in some other people that are like-minded, like you little farmer and like, Hey, let's share stories with one another so that we can add to the different perspectives around the plan. Yeah, that's why I started the podcast. So people in the industry can tell their story, why they why they like it, how it helps them. And then other listeners new to cannabis can listen and like, hey, yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. Maybe that'll help me and, and give it a shot or just know how how to ease into it, mm -hmm. you know, and not jump into it and eat a hundred milligram edible and feel bad. Oh, I'll never do it again. And just let them know you don't have to keep up. It's not like a drinking game where you got to drink with everybody. You take one puff, I'll take three and we feel the same. We're good. And I'm not going to judge you if you can't consume as much as me. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's the adults that have the pressure, not the kids. <laughs> but I think that we both, uh, or I did, I worked in the industry and I, I noticed that medical is kind of getting lost and there's not as much education. And with these recreational companies, especially the big ones, it's all numbers. They don't care about what the consumer is getting. It's as long as they're making their money. It's It comes down to a money thing when it comes to rec. So a lot of the education is getting lost. The bud tenders here aren't educated. I don't know about other states. I know some states, especially where it's only medical, they, they got to be educated on certain aspects. But here, it's hard for the dispensaries to actually keep bud tenders. That too. Because a lot of people come in and think they're just going to get high all day and sell weed. And it's it's pretty stressful being behind the counter. And you got people coming in, telling your life stories like you're a... <laughs> I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but people will come in and tell you their, their stories. How And I've tried my best for three years to give them what I think would help them from what's, what's available. Mm-hmm. But uh, nine times out of 10, that's not what you're going to find at a dispensary. So I agree. This needs to be a, a subject talked about even in schools. Mm-hmm. I have the parents come in sometime even. Uh, I would definitely do a PTA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a it's a very tough subject, especially with the laws out there. And when it does become legalized, how is it going to be advertised? Is it going to be advertised like alcohol? Is it going to be on TV commercials all over the place? That's one reason. Uh, I don't know. I think alcohol is just become too available, too much advertising for it. They took smoking cigarettes and stuff off of uh, off of TV right. and ads a long time ago, but alcohol is still there. And yeah. uh, how is how's cannabis going to be? I know CBD has been accepted by Major League Baseball, um, but I don't know. NBA has never really had a problem with cannabis. The NFL lobbies against cannabis. They hate it. So uh, they put millions into making it illegal or keeping it illegal. Uh, So how is it going to be advertised? That's another thing. You know, I think. I think they'll probably somehow expand in the social media sphere, digital media. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see like more niche sort of like your weed maps, leafly's popping up and things like that. Um. I do kind of hear rumors that cannabis is is the industry is trying to kind of be like the alcohol industry. And you can kind of see some things like, hmm, that's interesting, where you see some of the major alcohol companies kind of like sniffing around cannabis and vice versa. So it's like I could see it going there, too, when, you know, full legalization hits. But, um, you know, cannabis, I would say in the mean and between time is going to continue to struggle. So I don't think it's it's as prolific of an issue right now, but when it does become federal, I think that's that's probably when it's like, ooh, do we have too much cannabis content out there for people? Um, and to that extent, it's just like, oh, well, now that I think about it, Here's me. I'm like, is that is that bad though? 
like to an extent we don't want it like advertised as a commodity in that sort of sense like hey pop up buy some weed <laughs> like you don't want that but if there's a way education is tied to it i'd be like hmm, i don't mind this as much um because isn't that kind of what they did with the war on drugs like you had all of this propaganda around um cannabis wasn't old girl like smashing pans in a kitchen or something like that and reefer yeah and they did all of that without ever showing the plant i feel we could do something similar to that but like reverse um and it not be as harmful as like the alcohol and tobacco industries um kind of perpetuated yeah, so uh, deprogram people's beliefs. For sure. If they have already seen that and re just educate the ones that aren't old enough to know that past mm -hmm. <clears throat> villainization of the uh, cannabis plant. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm afraid that the recreational part of it and the money behind it is going to overshadow the medical sure. part. And a lot of that's going to get, get uh, lost. So... I'm in the same boat as you. We need to educate people. Um, I'd love to work with you somehow. I don't know how we could work it out, but we will in the future. For sure, for sure. Where can um, people find more information about yourself in New Bay? Uh, do you, you do have a YouTube site. I watched a couple of your videos. I like the one you were talking about where it actually helps with your foot injury. You had surgery on your foot. You, you like to run. That's one thing. Uh, a lot of people think cannabis run or cannabis consumers are lazy. You're another example that you you helps you to get out and run more marathons, even with a hurt foot. You had could you explain that and how it helps you to run your marathons? Sure, sure. Um, most recently, I actually completed a, a sprint triathlon, and years ago, funny story was with a friend. We're trying to catch a bus. I didn't realize there was a stair. So I ended up running and like curling my foot under and breaking my ankle. Made the bus though. But flash forward some years, you know, ended up getting surgery and now I have a metal plate in it. Um, for the most part, it's okay. But with too much activity, it can start, you know, being eh, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, that being said, I wanted to challenge myself to run a sprint triathlon, which includes biking, running and swimming. Um, and I've never done anything of that magnitude. I don't even consider myself an athlete. I just exercise from time to time. Um, but I found that during training, especially during the running component, that I could keep I could keep going in terms of endurance, but my ankle, because it had the plate and wasn't used to that much <laughs> working out, was starting to affect my performance. And so I actually started um, getting topicals um, and using that to relieve the pain. And I found that there was no pain when I was running. And so it's cold now, but <laughs> when I start back running again, because again, I was never a runner because of my ankle. And I was like, oh, I actually enjoy running now. Um, I will continue that using the topicals and things like that to manage the pain so I can make it through the workout. Um, 
So, yeah, but I also like consume and, and run too. like I don't have any issues with breathing or anything like that. If if anything, and this is just me, I feel that being a cannabis smoker has actually increased my capacity a little bit, a lot of bit. Uh, <laughs> I second that too. Okay. <laughs> but if you do get some contaminated herbs, they can really damage your lungs. So yes. be careful if you get some moldy stuff and, uh, or I'm not sure what it was sprayed with something. I could tell it'll start burning mm-hmm. or since they shouldn't stop immediately and go find something else. Or, yeah. Uh, just don't smoke if you can't find anything else. It's not worth the damage to your lungs. It For can sure. really make you sick. But uh, yeah, my capacity, I think it's bigger too. I could take big bong hits and I go to the doctor and I'm like, man, you got a really l- big lung capacity. It's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's practice. I built it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you also said earlier you had started to overconsume a little bit. How, what were some of the signs to yourself? You're, I think people become more in tune with their body. If they start smoking cannabis, they, they can tell what their body needs and they can, they just are more in touch with themselves. Mm-hmm. And what were some of the signs that you felt you were overconsuming when the pandemic hit and you were mentioning that you, you were having issues with work and school and home and, what were the signs? Were you getting too lazy? Were you not washing the dishes and not keeping up on the house chores? Um, it was definitely the mental activity. Like I was still able to like function, but I'm a creative. I'm over here, you know, throwing ideas left and right. And I was getting nothing. I was like a robot. I was just like, hmm, let me teach something. It was physics, but it's just like, here's the lesson do the work, don't do the work, we'll figure out the grade. Um, and then like, at the time, that's when Nuve was like just starting. I wasn't putting all of the extra time that I would have had um, into that. And that's how I knew I was like, you're just kind of like not doing anything mentally whatsoever. Maybe you should ease back on smoking a little bit. Um, and I did and didn't. Um, mainly what I did was kind of like restructure my time around consuming. Um, and I also started dosing. So now I don't start smoking until 11 o'clock in my day because my highest brain activity is between like 4 a.m. and like 10 a.m. So I commit myself like I am not going to smoke during this t- this time frame because this is where I know I can be the most productive. Once I get there, I, I get my one hitter. I get about one or two. As you see, I've been, you know, <laughs> smoking this whole time here during my one to two. And I'm good up until it's time for me to go to sleep. I also have insomnia. So then I'll smoke my indica right before I go to sleep. And then I'm good until the next day. So for me, it was more so around one, managing um, the time of day, not necessarily the amount I consume because I only smoke about maybe two grams a day, if that, if that. Yeah, just um, knowing your body rhythm, right? Exactly. Just when you're at your body. peak and you're at your bottom and exactly trying to control the parts that you can't control, like the insomnia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, manage the day correctly. I'm I'm an indica girl all day, all day, all day. I can't smoke indica all day though. <laughs> <laughs> so I allow myself either like 
Crescendo is my favorite over here. Um, it's a sativa lean hybrid, but Crescendo, I can do enough where it won't give me a headache, but I'm still having that like even killed because I found those kind of give me a headache too. The sativas do a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm okay. And then after my work day is done, it's end of good time. And we are couch sitting together until it's time to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I've talked to other people that it's, it's easier to have a routine when you're more knowledgeable about it and you can go into it. When I was younger, we started smoking. It was just like, it makes you feel good more the better, but it's not more the better. It's cutting back a little bit and controlling mm-hmm. it. It maxi- maximizes the effects. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I probably overconsume. It's just because I've been consuming so long that I need a little bit more consumption because of the, mm-hmm. the tolerance. And that's one good thing I like about cannabis too. And you, you liked your strain crescendo. I like that one. That's a good one. We sold here in the dispensary I worked at for a while. Um, that cannabis, not compared to pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals, they're always the same dosage, the same medicine. And yes. you get, even when you're taking those on years, on years and years, it, you have to have a tolerance build up mm-hmm. and they, they probably don't work. If you have cannabis, each strain is a little bit different. If you're smoking crescendo yeah. all the time, you might get a little tolerance to it, but you can switch over to something else that sure. smells very similar, but has just a little bit different cannabinoid structure profile mm-hmm. and different terpene profile. And it hits you just a little bit different, yeah. but almost the same. So it's kind of like you don't have to take a tolerance break as much because you can switch to another strain. that's kind of similar and then go back to the crescendo after a couple of weeks and it'll hit you like it did in the beginning. At least that's my theory. I like that theory because I actually recently learned what a tolerance break was mm-hmm. <laughs> from my intern. And she's like, do you ever take tolerance? I was like, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, no, I just switch it up. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's with me growing. I grow different strains. I don't, a lot of growers will grow a lot of the same strain, but mm-hmm. I like to grow different strains for different times of the day, different purposes. Like right now I have a, a hybrid, which kind of relaxing, but still sociable. Mm-hmm. After this, I'll probably end up taking a nap and I'll smoke a little something heavier to knock me out for a little bit. And then I'll get up later on. And if I need to smoke a little sativa, mm-hmm. something not as, not as heavy if I need, or I, I usually probably don't smoke too much after my nap until nighttime when it's time to go to bed. And then I'll smoke something heavier to slow my brain down. Yeah. I like the indica because it slows your brain down. Yes. And uh, it helps you to control your thoughts a little bit more or just complete blackout. That's why I don't have, I don't have to think about anything. Yeah. I was like complete blackout. Like we've worked enough for today. (laughs) Yeah. And if you control it, it can work just like you said, like clockwork, you you hit it at the right time. Your body Mm -hmm. routine gets it. It can help you knock out really good. And, uh, You'll have to come out here to Colorado sometime. Absolutely. Check it out. Uh, Chicago, what is what is happening in Chicago at the moment? What are the the weed prices? What are the uh, the mentality from your viewpoint? Ooh, the Chicago market. We are over it. <laughs> the weed price is too damn high. Um, you know, Illinois came out here talking big shit 
like we're going to do it better than everybody else. And Illinois has become in these last three years the poster child for not how to roll out a cannabis program. Um, you know, people are are paying a hundred, hundred and twenty for eighths. Like wow. Yeah. Is that the yeah. taxes on it? What's the tax? That is taxation? the taxes. Um I think in total is about 35%. Yeah, it could, it's on a, top of the price. Yeah, it is about thirty percent here. Yeah, <clears throat> but prices aren't that high. I think it's just because supply and demand. There's more, more uh, licenses for grows out here than there are there. I'm not sure how hard is it to get a license in Chicago to grow or to own a dispensary. Um, it's been a very difficult process. So. I mentioned our program rolled out in like 2020. So like we were supposed to have licenses in 2020. They just issued the licenses, the conditional licenses last year. Um, in terms of those, and these were mostly the social equity licenses. And to date, only three, three have opened, I believe, um, of like the 180 or so that were wow. issued. Yeah. Um, were most of those in the city of Chicago or is that the whole most state? Most of those were in the city of Chicago um, and some in the lower part of the state, but most in, in the Chicagoland area. Um, what is the biggest uh, hurdle for these um, licenses to become MSOs. reality? MSOs. Like, I'm going to keep it a book. Like... <laughs> The corporations don't want the small businesses to have anything. Um, it's fucked up, but it's it's a reality. I accept it, which is why I had pivoted early because I also, you know, put in for a dispensing license. I saw from the beginning it was going to be some bullshit. Um, and I think that's how it's going to continue despite or in spite of our efforts, you know, around... Um, speaking with our political leaders and things like that. Um, yeah, money's just going to take over. Corporations got it right now. And it's just kind of like we're, we're kind of at their behest, if you will. But then I'm kind of like, yo, just get like California and just do what you got to do. <laughs> Grow for yourself. Like That's what I want to educate <laughs> people that tell them cannabis is not going to be able to roll out like alcohol just because Nah. You can't you can't brew up the plant and you can't keep the the recipe the same all the time. It's something right. it's nature. It's hard to control, but anybody can do it. But when you try to do it on large large scales, it mm -hmm. it suffers. Like, what is the quality quality of the herb these people are paying a hundred dollars an eighth for? Is it worth a hundred dollars an eighth, or is it is it nugs or what they call it, middies? It, it really is all minis. Like, mm -hmm. I haven't seen a nug since, like, 2020. <laughs> like, summer 2020. Like, an actual, like, uh, I haven't seen one. Everything is basically nugs now. There's just like, mm. It's highly processed, not touched by hand, machine rolled, highly processed. That's You lose a lot of quality, and you lose medicinal qualities, too. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing I want to educate is, People where you're at, reach out to your governor, reach out to your senators, tell them, hey, I want to be able to grow my own medicine. For sure. Or have a caregiver system because these big, big companies, they're going to vote against caregivership and home growing. So they can corner the market and keep continue to sell their mids 
for large amounts of money. And then they wonder why the black the black market is an issue. <laughs> well, they're trying to keep making the black market. That's a that's exactly of, exactly what it is. <laughs> there's got to be a fine line where the black market stops and the consumer goes to the store, mm-hmm. but that's not going to happen with big corporate Mm-mm. entities. The only way it's going to happen is with small mom and pop places. Uh, maybe even farmer's markets, being able to sell it at a farmer's market. Uh, it's got to be spread out. For sure. And uh, the people that really love the plant, that's where you're going to find the best medicine. Mm-hmm. Not for people who have just a lot of money, want to invest it, have nothing to do, have no no education about cannabis at all. Probably don't even consume. <laughs> well, they do. They just don't. They think that money can produce anything and it's that is true and it's it's hard to do that and i'm afraid that's what's going to happen with the market with recreational because i've already seen it starting miseducation high thc levels branding Mm -hmm. commercializing ads throwing famous rappers sticker name on it throwing willie nelson's name on it uh i love willie nelson and i love his weed but that's a marketing tool that people here are using. Interesting. I wonder who they use that for, because I'm like, do people like, and it might be a generational thing, like full disclosure, 35, 80s baby all the way, grew up in the 90s. I'm like, none of these people, like I know who they are, but they're not like relevant to me. And it's like, there's kind of like this disconnect because isn't Gen Z like the biggest demographic of consumer at this point? I could uh, be. It, it could be. Gen Z and or millennials. Um, but even so, like I'm a millennial, like. Like they're great, but they're not like my <laughs> my celebrity, if you will. You know, Beyonce is it would be my my celebrity. So Wiz Khalifa is would be one more close to your age. Wouldn't yeah, it? Wiz Khalifa. But. Nobody checks for Wiz Khalifa. It's just kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's great. Again, I enjoy his music, but they're not the people encouraging me to go consume. They're not the people encouraging me to like go buy their brand. Um, and so I hope at a certain point, like the industry just stops relying on these celebrities who are disconnected from us anyway, and kind of like bring the perspectives of the people into like some of this branding and marketing because it's like they have money. I don't care. And they don't care about me. (laughs) I think they should focus. We should focus more on the different effects of different types of cannabis. A lot of this Indica and Sativa has been taken away. A lot of people don't want to focus on Indica and Sativa or even use those terms anymore. And it's more on the revitalizing or the, the type of sleep, They'll label it as a sleepy weed or purple mm. pillow, something that, that you know is going to help you relax and go, sure. go to sleep. Or um, energizing weed. They have energizing weed. Some of the companies out here put energize on it because it's a sensitive of some kind of a nice daytime. It helps people get through the work day. So, like uh, yeah, that's a, what uh, 
I think the commercials or ads or whatever, how we should start to show it to people is different types of cannabis, CBD even it's completely different. There's so many new things coming out there that a lot of the consumers that have been consuming for 20, 30 years don't know this information because it's so much information coming out at one time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it affects everybody differently. So it's, it's even, you got to throw in that factors. There's different types of people. There's lazy people. There's people that are, have ADHD or are already mm-hmm. super active and, uh, gear it towards these certain types of consumers that consume for different reasons. For sure. And I like one thing that you said, one of your things, it does um, help with your metabolism. Mm-hmm. So another thing you think uh, pot smokers, oh, couch potatoes, eating a lot of potato chips. That's the the thing you would see back in the in the 80s or 90s when they had to reform madness or your yeah. brain on drugs. And uh, that's not true. It does really help affect your metabolism Mm -hmm. and uh after the very first initial munchies i'm sure you got the munchies a little bit but after so a little bit of time you lose that that munchy feeling and it it helps control your appetite actually in your in your food consumption in my perspective yeah like i've been experiencing that as well like Full disclosure, after I did my my little triathlon, I have not worked out since. And I've always been like very conscious around managing my weight. And I found it very strange that I hadn't gained anything in these like four or five months I haven't been working out. And I was like, hmm, my diet hasn't changed. I was like, has 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 the weed kind of like kept my metabolism kind of <laughs> keeping it going? I was like, oh. Maybe it has along with, you know, losing some muscle mass. But outside of that, you know, I, I think to an extent that that cannabis has been helping me kind of like maintain my weight to a certain extent, not saying that is used for weight loss, but that metabolism piece, I would like to see some research on that when they get to that point. Yeah, I've said that for years and uh, I've heard it from other people, too. So you're right on point with that. I'd, I'd like to see some more research on that. Um Hopefully this bill goes through and they actually do some research. Yes. There's a lot of independent research already out there and that they know about and they can bring into the research and uh, speed it up, but I don't Mm -hmm. see it speeding up too quick. Nah, they're the government gonna government. (laughs) That's all I got. Like, it's it's up to us to kind of do what needs to be done until they figure out well they probably already have it figured out they're just playing games so it's up to us <laughs> yeah it's uh it's just big money big corporate entities holding it back from my perspective and uh they're just trying to figure out a way that they can corner the market that's what people are always calling a race to the bottom race to the bottom so listeners if you ever hear this that's what the race to the bottom is is holding out until the prices are so high for the um business owners that they can no longer support their own businesses and fold and then the big entities with the big money like the alcohol companies can come in and corner the market because they already have the distribution and everything set up from the alcohol 
for sure. But uh, it's all about controlling the prices and undercutting all the little guys until we all have a supermarket weed. Basically. So education is the only way. I'd like to thank you, Kurt, for coming on to the show and uh, helping to educate the listeners. And uh, definitely we got to keep it up and support the little guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Well, uh, welcome. And you're welcome to come out here and record and help mingle and network a little bit here with uh, me and Dan and Kendall. Oh, most definitely. I'm going to have to get on y'all calendars pretty quickly. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to let you go, get back to your work and uh, enjoy the day. And we will be in touch really soon. All right. Take care. Anything else you want the listeners out there to know before we cut it off? Uh, Where sure they can follow us. you on YouTube oh. and all your little plugs here before we cut off. Yes, absolutely. Be sure to follow us at Internuve on all of our socials. Can learn on the YouTube and www.internuve.com is our website. Check us out. Yes, I will. And everybody else, it's highly recommended. I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Kurt. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Call him Dr. Earth for the healing meditation and good vibration. For food, fuel, vibe, and a little bit of fun. See, the joint ain't necessarily the point, but I want one.